Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is up, football fans? I'm Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. Our redesigned studios. We got a new backdrop. Here we are, the Nation Network Studios, Flames Nation, Marta Loop, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I'm excited. I uh, CFL sent over three bucket hats. Maybe I should put on one of these bucket hats for the intro. I don't know that I'm going to keep this on. It doesn't fully fit me, but we got some new bucket hats here. We got normal hats. We got a new football for the studio. And we got this backdrop. What an exciting time to for live from the 55. Um, whatever i'm gonna keep this bucket hat on i'm gonna put on my 2019 gray cup scarf here we go guys welcome to live from the 55 super exciting episode today it feels crazy because we recorded monday night right after the labor day classic and here we are wednesday afternoon quick turnaround those day-to-day radio guys tough job but we got ted wyman out of winnipeg i just sort of felt like Given that the Riders beat the Bombers, given all of the stuff with the headbutt, I felt like we should bring in Ted Wyman, my colleague from Post Media, to chat a little bit about what is going on in Winnipeg. Honestly, I've already talked to him. He's not that concerned. Either am I, to be perfectly honest with you. I think Saskatchewan played a great game. I think that we're going to have a much better idea of what happens when those two teams rematch in Winnipeg at IG Field. We know that crowd's going to be crazy. They're going to be out for blood. We know that the Bombers are not going to be happy with, you know, the way that they played or with the way that that game was officiated or really, I, I just think that the Bombers are going to have something to show right now because you lose to Saskatchewan on Labor Day and that that sends a bit of a, a bit of a message. Anyways, lots of other games going on. We are here. Ted and I were saying it sure does feel, you know, I hate when people say that the season only starts at Labor Day because it's objectively inaccurate. But right now, all of a sudden, the Bombers can clinch. The Argos can clinch a playoff spot. All of a sudden, you're looking at every one of these games. You got to go check the standings. See, okay, what does a win mean? What does a loss mean? If you're looking at two teams trying to keep a third playoff spot in the East, Hamilton Ottawa is a huge game. You know, they might be last place and second last place in the East. The, the Red Blacks are three and eight. The Ticats are four and seven, but you know, right now they are both the Ticats are the third place team and just based on winning percentage are are still in a playoff position. So them beating Ottawa and moving to five and seven puts the pressure on the Stampeders, who are the fourth place team in the East in the West and would get that crossover. If you are the Red Blacks, you just can't afford to drop this one. This one pretty much ends your playoff hopes if you lose it. So, you know, that's a big game. And I've I've felt, I guess I've felt more more as a more for the red blacks than half the tackle there's just been a couple of games that you know I, I think this team might be better than they are um or than their record indicates so anyways that one's not small 
Montreal, Toronto. Oh man, we're sticking with the East. Toronto at home, but they are the best team in the league right now. They are the team that is nine and one, and they are very much on the path to, you know, finishing first in the East Division, having that East East final at home. But the Alouettes, and I'm not saying the Alouettes at six and five are going to catch them. You know, the odds of in the last seven games of the year making up four games in the standings is is pretty tough. But you know. You got to start somewhere, and that obviously starts here this weekend. So, you know, if you're the Alouettes who are coming off a loss to the Lions, but I thought that they played pretty well for a lot of that game. If you're them, then look, you want to, at the very least, even if potentially catching the Argos isn't super likely, you sweep these two games. Suddenly you're eight and five. The Argos are nine and three. You've got to hope that they maybe lose that game to Winnipeg later in the year that all of us are sort of have circled on our calendar and are saying that's probably going to be the game of the season, Grey Cup rematch, two teams that are probably going to be leading their divisions at the time. So if you're the Alouettes, you're kind of saying, okay, we win these two, we sweep these two, the door is open. If not, you know that you're not ultimately going to be having a home game in the East Final. And that's fine. Lots of teams have sort of had home games in the East Semifinal. We've seen teams play road games um three road games in the playoffs and still wind up winning the great cup so it's not like this is a a season ender but if you're the alouettes it's not just about catching the argos i think you want to send a bit of a message that hey we can beat you in your house we can beat you back in montreal too i i really think that this is an important game for the east division because things have gone so smoothly for the argos you know they've of course they've had three bye weeks no other team has in the league but it has just sort of felt like you know, the only loss that the Argos had came to the Stampeders in a game where Chad Kelly got hurt. He was only out for the rest of the game, came back. But I'm not sure you're too stressed about that loss unless you really care about going undefeated, which is pretty tough to do in, in this little Canadian football league of ours. But, yeah, if you're the Argos, things have gone so smoothly. If you're the Alouettes, I think you just want to introduce that little bit of self-doubt, a little bit of, of, of fear. Uh, maybe not fear, but a little bit of, hey, we're not alone in this division. This this Montreal team's pretty good too. And so I, I love that game. I think that game is absolutely huge. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. Look, I think the Riders sent a message. Same way that I was saying, if you're Montreal, you want to, you know, let the Argos know what's what. Let them know who's who. I think that if you're the Riders, you feel like you did that. Now, there's been a lot of controversy. And, and Ted, you know, sort of explained people in Winnipeg, just because Robertson got suspended, they're, they're still not happy. They don't like that he wasn't ejected from the game. Um, I get all that, and and I think he makes some really important points um, that are worth listening to. There has I don't actually think that there's any controversy about the suspension. There's if you go on Twitter, there's a few people, but I think that even if you're a Riders fan, and I I would just I'm not going to tell anyone how to be a fan or what to do. Look, I'm a guy wearing a bucket hat. It's way too small. It's already starting to hurt my um, hurt my forehead. So potentially, I'm going to need to give these bucket hats away when the season's done or whenever whenever um this clearly doesn't fit looks cool though does look cool um but yeah look i think that this is a game that's going to be really really heated they always are around labor day with with the riders and bombers but you know the bombers i do think that there's that little bit of doubt that's been introduced i don't think that they're necessarily doubting themselves i don't think that they're doing themselves at all they're the winnipeg blue bombers they're under the three last gray cup they won two of them they're still <laughs> sitting atop the west division and ultimately, when you were in that position where you have just sort of been the dominant team in the league for the last couple of years, especially when you've won the Grey Cup, like all you're looking to do is finish 
atop the West Division. I don't think you care what the record is. You just want to get that West Division home game. But when your biggest rivals beat you at home, surprise a lot of people beat you in overtime, I, I think that you want to win the rematch. I really do think that you want to send that message to the league. You, you might beat us once. You're not beating us twice. And then finally, Calgary and Edmonton. We talked a lot about this on Monday's pod, which would have dropped Tuesday morning. I had Derek Dennis on talking. Calgary won a tight, super fun game. I hope you guys did watch it. It'd be weird if, you know, if you're a Stamps fan and you're you're listening to this podcast, you're CFL listening to this podcast. I imagine that you watch most of the games, but you know that when pushes the Stamps to four and eight, leaves the Elks to two and ten. But again, if you're the Stamps, you're looking at that East Division crossover, you're saying, okay, we're four and eight. Well, the tie catch are four and seven. We like the way that we're playing. Okay. The riders beat beat the bomber surprised a lot of people that move them to six wins there's a hard difficult path we may not it may not be realistic that we catch the riders but look we came back in the fourth quarter there jake mayer's thrown for well over 300 yards for the last two games you know trey ford didn't really throw the ball a ton against the stamps d I do have big worries about the defensive back group uh the stamps this is a digression i apologize this is not a structured conversation right now but um we're forced basically to release their injury report for today despite the fact that they are actually only doing a walkthrough well on that walkthrough they have michael griffin tj ram cole tucker and tice wall this is did not practice that is only based on what would have happened had they practiced because they obviously didn't practice um so just a bizarre cfl thing where we have to release an injury report for practice that didn't happen but anyways look being down tight as well that you're starting sam that's no that's no easy thing i think michael griffin has had a very low-key great season for the stamps he stepped in when titus wall got hurt at the sam position and then griffin got hurt so if those two are unavailable and i am very worried that they're going to be gone for the season it just adds to an injury list for these stampeders defensive backs that just continues to grow but i also think that look where is trey ford most likely to beat you you know, the Elks are most likely to beat you with their quarterback running on the ground. So I don't know. The DBs matter, and especially, you know, that's a team with Eugene Lewis. I'm never going to say that the Stamps DBs are insignificant, but I don't know. Maybe in this particular game, they're not as big a deal. Stamps have a have a bye week after this one, so maybe some guys get healthy and, and we see some fixes. But this is a big, big game. They all are. At this point, if you're the Stamps, and to a lesser extent, the Elks, so I think that I'm not totally taking – their chances of making the playoffs quite as seriously. But if you're either of those two teams, let's be real here. You need to win this game. Um, and that's kind of the thing. This is what, what I was saying earlier about Labor Day. Labor Day hits and just all of a sudden, every team needs to win every game. So the playoff races have kicked off. You know, we're not looking at, oh, well, what does this mean for, for second place? No, we're talking about playoff positioning. And right now, we have learned many times that the teams who are in a playoff position at Labor Day are not necessarily the teams that make it. So, you know, I had people from Edmonton yelling me about how I was being a homer for saying like, oh, you know, the Stamps, this win, here's what it opens in terms of their path. I wrote a story about that, looked at the winning percentages of themselves versus the Riders versus the Ticats versus the Red Blocks, you know, all that stuff, you know, for the remaining schedule, the winning percentage of their opponents. I had people getting, accusing me of you know, being too optimistic by the Stamps. Well, I don't know, man. What else am I supposed to do? I got to write stories about something. Do you just want me saying it? It's over, even though it's not. That would be ridiculous. So, anyways, I was thinking about going up to Edmonton for that game. I'm not going to. Got a lot kind of going on. Also, have to sort of get ready for some hockey coverage that's going to be coming up pretty soon. There's there's a few things. First week, 
second weekend of September in Calgary is sort of a magical place. You got stuff going on up at Spruce Meadows, which I'll be doing, um, all sorts of stuff. So won't be there, but we'll be watching from home. Either way, really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to all the games. Um, right? This is a great, this is a really fun slate of games as I sort of just outlined. And we are in a spot, you know, where like it or not, there is some intrigue. I don't know that any team other than the Argos is feeling super great about where they're at. I think that the Bombers, obviously nine and three leading the league, but the Lions are right behind them at eight and four. And I, a week, week and a half ago, a couple episodes ago, was sort of talking about how I didn't believe in them anymore because they'd lost three or four or what have you. Well, they went out impressed me against the Alouettes, who I think are a good football team. So, you know, the Lions are are right on the Bombers' heels. There is absolutely, there's no room to breathe if you're the Bombers. You know, obviously the Lions, the Rough Riders, the Rough Riders can't afford to start losing games, especially if the Stampeders start winning. So, you know, so much to play for. This is what we do it for. Just want to quickly thank you guys for listening. You guys, please pass it on to friends. If you're CFL fans, you might be interested in sort of this casual fun type of conversation we have about the league obviously thank mugs pub thank fraser and fig our sponsors uh we love all of them and yeah guys we're having a great time let's go to ted wyman you guys are gonna love it guys let's say you're having a party let's say you're having a picnic let's say you're having any occasion we gotta talk to you about fraser and fig because i love these guys here in Martin loop a couple storefronts down from our studio here Fraser and Fig, man, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes, and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month choices are always new you know just because you've had one doesn't mean you've had them all i love fraser and fig i love having them as a sponsor they're the best make sure you check them out tell them by from the 55 sent you all right ted wyman my post media colleague out of winnipeg buddy how you doing oh i'm doing fantastic danny just coming back from a labor day classic one of them in saskatchewan and it was a fantastic game fantastic weekend for canadian football in my opinion uh you know it's it just it doesn't get any better in the league than Labor Day and the week following it. But when you have great games as well, I mean, that's just a bonus. That's the thing. Like three of the four games, because I li- I really thought that that Montreal-Vancouver was great. It was super fun too. And then Calgary-Edmonton was obviously nuts. And Winnipeg-Saskatchewan. Like, is is that the best of the of the Labor Day-Winnipeg-Sask games you've covered? Because, like, man, like overtime, and I, I mean, I know you covered the losing team, and that doesn't make a huge amount of difference for reporters, but – you know, like that game was pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I there was one in 2016 when Justin Medlock kicked a winning field goal that was pretty impressive. But and and then another year, I think 2018, there was a Brett Lothar field goal right at the end of the game. It just seems like there's a lot of those. The one thing that's really nice about it is that for I think so, it's something like uh, 16 of the last 19 years, the Rough Riders have won it. Well, a lot of those years, the games were not close. There was a 52 nothing in there. Um, there was a lot of really bad times for the Labor Day Classic because there weren't a lot of classics for many years. The last five, six years, it's been really entertaining. Winnipeg has won a few of them. And I thought this year, maybe for the league itself, the best possible result came about, which was that Saskatchewan got a win at home in front of a sellout crowd on Labor Day and finally beat Winnipeg. They hadn't done it in seven straight games, including playoffs, took away a bit of that 
Labor Day mystique for Zach Caleros and um, just created general excitement in the West Division where it, you know, it was really looking like a two-team runaway. Yeah, and I mean, I I was telling you sort of before we went on, J- Jerry Motojong was down from Edmonton and both of us were like, okay, well, this makes life a lot harder for the teams that we cover in the Elks and Stampeders, but like, it's weird, but I really, when Trevor Harris went down, thought that the Riders were dead. Like, I yeah. thought they might not win another game, and it's, I mean, and this isn't specific to Saskatchewan. This is just good when any team manages to, like, find a way to make wins and, and, and make life interesting, but like, it's obviously good that the Riders are not just dead in the water at this point in the season. It is really good, and it sometimes makes you wonder how the coaching staff there saw Mason Fine as a better option than Jake Dalagala because <laughs> clearly Jake Dalagala has some skills he can throw. He's got this really unique height. Um, he, but, but he was really calm and in a huge football game. So it, it's the same thing for me with Trey Ford. It's like, you know, it's great that he's doing well now, but what took so long? There were an 0-9 team. What were they waiting for? And then you've got the same situation in Saskatchewan where they just went with that hierarchy. It's like Mason Fine was the number two. We had decided he was the number two, so he gets his chance. But, you know, my uh, our colleague now, again, Daryl Davis in the Saskatchewan, the Regina Leader Post, was writing for a while before this even happened that if you look at the two, Jake Dalagal is the superior quarterback and he should be in there. Well, pretty smart thinking there because he's 2-0. and in the last couple of games and it wasn't like they beat the worst teams in the league they beat two of the top three teams in the league you have to start thinking the rough riders are real it would be really interesting to see if they can do anything against winnipeg in the banjo bowl but um right now things look awfully good for them so what stood out about jake like that's i i mean watching on tv is so different obviously right like you're what you're you're caught up in the drama a little bit when you're watching on tv for me it was just his calmness his collectedness his ability to just you know let the let the things come to him make the throws they were very accurate throws for the most part he wasn't world beating but 326 yards with no interceptions he didn't have a touchdown pass either that's a great day um you know in my opinion that's a great day for any quarterback and for a guy that's younger and uh, untested that's pretty special especially in the labor day classic against winnipeg you know, I, I don't, it, it's hard to say if teams will start to figure him out a bit, but he had, he did what he needed to do in all ways. And that was to just keep his cool, his poise, uh, be a good leader in that group and make the throws when he needed to. Because honestly, underrated, maybe not anymore, but Saskatchewan's receiving core has been really solid this year and looking very, very good in that game. And he throws very high ball. Obviously, it comes out from his release point high. Those guys can go up and get it, and they did. And a couple of bombers, defensive backs, maybe sensing that they were facing an untested quarterback, jumped on routes a couple of times, missed it, and it ended up being big plays for the Riders. Those really hurt Winnipeg. Uh, overall, there's just no question in my mind, Jake Dalagala was the best quarterback in that game, and the Rough Riders were the better team. It'll just be interesting to see if he can duplicate that in the less friendly confines of uh, IG Field on uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, like I mean, I'm just giving my opinion here, and because I don't have to cover either team, I don't have to come across like worry about coming across like a homer, obviously. But like, I've I've watched in game the Bombers make some pretty major adjustments this season and come back and like, you know, against Edmonton, obviously. But there have been other games. I just sort of trust that that Mike O'Shea 
and, and that coaching staff is going to have the Bombers ready to put some wrinkles in that Dolgala might not be ready for. Well, they even did it last game. You know, they did. They did it in the Labor Day Classic. They made the adjustments. They came back. They took the lead. Mm-hmm. And, and they were, I don't know, man. It was weird that they let that game slip away after taking the lead. They just, you know, it really came down to not getting one first down and to giving up a couple of singles that maybe they didn't have to give up. But they did, and, and that's just how the game worked out. And then you just expect, well, the Riders executed in overtime with the Bombers in recent years. You expect them to execute as well, and they did, except for on the last play. The Riders made one bit more play than the Bombers did in particular to win the game. But for the most part, they made more plays throughout the game, in my opinion. I just think the Riders played better, and I think the numbers show that they played better. They had Zach Caleros off uh, the entire game. I think Zach Caleros completed 50% of his passes. Yeah, 13 to 26. That's just not good enough, and he knows it. And he hated the way that he played in the first half. I'm sure we're going to get to it, Danny, but, you know, as everyone knows, Zach was completely pissed off after that Mm -hmm. game and more than just a little bit angry for many reasons. And the most obvious reason I'm sure we'll talk about, but but he was also mad that they only got three completed passes in the first half. He was mad that they didn't move the ball. He was mad that they didn't execute on the last play. It, it, he, he certainly wasn't just blaming referees or anybody on the other side for what happened. He was mad about that, yes. But he was mad at himself and themselves. And he actually said, are we actually a prolific offense? Because it doesn't really feel like it right now. That's notable. So, I mean, let's get to the to the headbutt because I think, like, we have to. I'm just going to come out and say it so that no one else has to, like – to criticize Zach for coming out and, and rightfully saying sort of like, what the hell? Um, like Zach had, that's exactly what a veteran quarterback should say in that situation. He got headbutted. Like it is like nonstop. And I don't care who that, what he who must not be named is, is out here saying on Twitter, like that was a clear suspension that should have been like, it, it, it just, it, it, the whole thing, the CFL actually got this one, right? Good on Zach. Man, a guy, especially a guy who has a history of head injuries, you headbutt him, show that passion, defend yourself, defend your team. Um, I, I, I thought it was great what Zach did, and I think that it's it's amazing. The CFL makes plenty of mistakes, <clears throat> but coming out, like before Calgary and Edmonton, Edmonton even took the field yesterday or on Monday, didn't wait for a business day, just got it dealt with. The one-game suspension, I think they dealt with it perfectly, but um, it was such a stupid play. It's yeah. It's, it sure was, Danny. And, you know, I, I can't think that I've seen anywhere someone who was not a Rough Rider fan who defended that play other than, you know, maybe Craig Dickinson, who seems to have a history of defending really moronic plays. But in all honesty, there's, there, there, you know, there's no one that would. It was bonehead. Micah Johnson, just look at Micah Johnson on the play, looking yep. at his player, his own player going like, you know, he couldn't believe that he did it. He just couldn't believe it. But the the whole thing was an embarrassment, really, for the league. It's embarrassing that a guy would do something that stupid. It's embarrassing that the CF that the referees didn't see anything. It's embarrassing that the command center had to weigh in, and then they didn't even get the call right. They didn't get it close to right. They called a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty. They did not. They they called five other misconduct penalties in that game they didn't call that a misconduct penalty even it should have been an ejection immediate the fact that Pete Robertson got to keep playing and Zach Caleros got pulled out because of a concussion spotter is just absolutely wrong 
So I agree with you on one front. Yes, the CFL did a good job of getting out front and making sure that a decision was made quickly the next day before even the Calgary-Edmonton game started. But they cannot whitewash the fact that they completely missed something atrocious and that should never be in this game. And anybody that no. says, you know, that that it's just the Bombers whining or whatever because they don't like losing is a Saskatchewan fan and isn't looking at it objectively. Yeah. So, and I mean, in, in terms of people defending it, like I will say 2021 West semifinal, Sean Lemon was ejected for, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for punching basically uh, Duke Williams. Now there's backstory there, but regardless, I will be perfectly honest with you. Like in the moment before I had seen the replay, I was an idiot. And I tweeted about how I didn't think it was an ejection. Saw the replay, took the tweet down, apologized. Post game, Dave Dickinson came out and he was like, look, man, I don't know what caused it, but I don't want to have a league where you're allowed to punch guys in the face. Sean Lemon had to be thrown out. It is okay to, whether you're a coach or a fan or, or media covering it, like when your player does something wrong, you can just acknowledge that it happened. Um, and like, yes, we can all find countless examples of, of other plays where players probably should have been ejected and weren't. But like, we can also look at it objectively and say that is that that should be an ejection. Of course, it should be everything that you are saying. Of course, it should be a suspension. Of course, it should be an ejection. Of course, it should be the biggest penalty you can give. You don't headbutt a guy. What I don't know is, and and this is legitimately, I'm acknowledging that I don't know this. I mean, is that reviewable? Like, should the CFL have been able to re review that? And, and well, they him? did review it. It was called by the command center. That was an eye in the sky penalty. That had nothing to do with the referees. They didn't That's even insane. know there was a penalty. So it had to go to the command center. That's insane. And and that's the you know that's what the that's what Mike O'Shea was so mad about. I've never heard Mike O'Shea talk like that before about the referees. He's very careful about that kind of thing because he's on the rules committee and he works with these people and he knows that you know that he knows better than to to say what he said about them. But he 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 can't, just could not believe that nobody saw it. Um, yeah, there's human error. It's a good thing there is an eye in the sky which helped, but I don't understand how they couldn't even get the call right. Uh, you know, like it, it's it's it was not the correct call. It should have at least been a misconduct, and it probably should have been an objection. And I think you could see we've seen twenty five yard eject automatic ejection penalties for in game head to head hits, which you know that is during the play. I'm not making an excuse for it because a player has to be in control of what he does with his own helmet or however he hits a quarterback, but it's part of the game. And, and it could involve a, a ducking or, or just the last second thing that happens that creates it to happen. And we've seen players be ejected or at least, you know, heavily penalized for that. For a player to go after the whistle and go straight at a guy and slam him with his head, it, you know, Paul Friesen wrote that it was like giving a guy a crowbar and letting him use it. So, I mean, I, I don't want to be overreacting. I really don't, but I just don't think that the league should ever have situations like that. And I do think that it's bad that it comes out of Saskatchewan once again, where you had the whole Garrett Marino situation and where I truly believe Craig Dickinson has a culture of, of players that don't respect the game. Um, not all of them, believe me, by no means all of them, but there are a lot. Mm -hmm. um, there have been players. There have been there have been a lot of situations where these things have happened. It happened a few times last year with Duke Williams with Garrett Marino. Then you get this again. It just makes you wonder how it happens. And then Craig Dickinson comes up and says, "Well, the Bombers players goaded 
our players into doing stupid things. Man, that is like that's some serious lack of discipline and and something that you know, if they really want to be taken seriously as a contender in the West Division, they're going to have to rectify. Yeah, I mean and again, I why I brought up the Sean Lemon example is because Dave literally after the game was like I can't defend it. In a playoff game, the guy's got to be be ejected and um and you know, at the time there was a the word from the stamps I have no proof one way or the other, so I'm not I'm not trying to sort of cast aspersions. But at the time, the accusation from Sean Lemon, who I've never seen punch a guy in his many years on the field, right? I mean, Sean Lemon is, is a pretty disciplined player. And, and the- Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Accusation was that Duke Williams had spat in his face and, and Dave, you know, if that's not goading, what is? And Dave wouldn't even acknowledge it. You know, he was like, the point is you can't punch a guy. And the point is you can't headbutt a guy. Um, and it's just, yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't realized the eye in the sky part, to be honest. I, I was sort of watching that game very, well, not very casually, but like as a friend with Jerry. Um, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's, it, do you expect any follow up from that? Any explanation from the league on that? We never, no, they've already made their explanation that, that it's worthy of a suspension, but you have to, you have to just take that for what it is right off the bat. And that's that their referees and their command center did not see it as a bad enough issue to kick him out of the game and yet he's suspended for a game so i mean clearly they did not get it right all that being said you know it did nothing but help the bombers it actually gave the bombers a chance to win the game and then they didn't so you know you can't take away from the rough riders for doing a great job of sticking with what they were doing and making sure they got that win and outplaying the bombers in overtime and really down the stretch of that game so I, again, I, I don't want to make it seem like it's some kind of, uh, uh, you know, some kind of situation that Winnipeg lost because this thing happened. It's, it has nothing to do with that. But do I expect any fallout? There won't be any more from the league, in my opinion, but there certainly will be bad blood when the two teams meet again on Saturday. That, the question that's... for me is how well will the Bombers hold their cool over all of that? They, it's kind of their M.O., to hold their cool. It's kind of their ammo to not let anything else affect their focus. The P Robertson won't be in the game, so they don't have to worry about that. But there was already a lot of crap going on in that game before that even happened. 
I can't imagine there's going to be none of that this week. So, uh, hey, man, again, Labor Day Classic and the following week is a great time in the CFL. And you've got some real intrigue here because the Riders won, because of what happened with Pete Robertson and Zach Caleros, because it's a back-to-back and going back into Winnipeg's barn. I think that's making real excitement. And, of course, the same goes for the rest of the games around the league that are rematches. Um, I, I just think it, it, it really makes me happy. The weekend brought a smile to my face as a guy who's been a supporter of the CFL for a long time. Well, 100%, and I talked about it in my intro, but, like, this back-to-back starting this weekend with Toronto-Montreal is also awesome for the league. Um, you know, not that I think Montreal is going to catch Toronto, but those are huge games for the East Division. Um, if Calgary or Edmonton, I, I can't rule them out, have any shot of, I mean, I doubt that they have a shot of catching Saskatchewan, but they want to, you know, secure the the crossover at the very least. Like they have to win. You know, I, I hate the saying the season starts at Labor Day because, you know, like the nine and three bombers, those nine wins count just as much before or after Labor Day. But the reality is like every game now, I mean, what we really mean by it is the stakes are so high, right? Yep. It's true, and I mean, I, I don't like the expression either. Mike O'Shea hates the expression, and I get why, because as you said, those previous games mean something. Every game means something. But what you really mean, what anybody really means when they say it is the playoff races are on, you know? Like, it's the same thing that the you could say in the NHL that the season starts after the trade deadline. I mean, that's when you really have to play your best games. And, and the Blue Bombers, um, you know, I don't think they're – I, they're going to lose sometimes. We've we've noted this year that they're not quite as good at finishing things off as they have been in the past. They're not. They don't seem to have that perfect mystique that they just seem to get it done no matter what the circumstances are. It's only been three times that they've lost, but there's been lots of close games, including in Calgary. And Edmonton had a good lead on them. Winnipeg's been behind by at least ten points in in three uh, of the last four games. Uh, all those things are a little bit different from what we would have expected from the Bombers in recent years. So are they beatable? Yes, they certainly seem to be beatable. Are the Riders getting better? Yes, they certainly seem to be getting better. I think it makes for a really intriguing rematch and, and a pretty good run down the stretch. And, and honestly, I thought Calgary-Edmonton game was fantastic to watch. I think they both look to me like teams that are starting to come into their own and play a lot better football than they were Earlier in the year, there's some really exciting players involved, particularly Trey Ford, of course, but lots of guys. I thought Jake Mayer had a really strong game for Calgary as well. And and bringing, you know, the, it's, I hate that the crossover always seems to come down to some Eastern teams not being good enough and, and the Western teams looking at it, even though they might be five games under 500. I mean, I don't love that, mm-hmm. but it gonna, it's going to make for some great excitement down the stretch. And I mean... I, I since 2016 I've covered the Stampeders and they've never been in this position and I've always had that feeling of like the crossover like I, I don't love it and then you're sitting here and it's like well what else would I be writing for the rest of the year if the crossover wasn't there like we need it for the intrigue right and um and I mean I'm still a believer people some people in Calgary in particular really hate me saying this but like you know the Riders have won two overtime games this year the Stamps have lost two overtime games this year when you talk about being able to finish out games that's what this whole league is about at the end of the day. I mean, like the stamps have a bunch of losses that are by a field goal or less two in overtime, but like, that's not an, that's not an, an excuse. That is literally the explanation for why they are not where they are. It's because they can't finish out games in the fourth quarter. They can't get over that hump. 
And it's what for me right now is quite clearly, I mean, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I'm not going to do the whole thing where I'm like, oh, the bombers in trouble. They're nine and three. Like they're not in trouble. I just, I, I don't buy that. Whether there's been a slight regression from years past is, is completely fine to, to ask that question, but they're still the best team in the West, but it's what has blown me away about the Argonauts is the Argonauts just seem to, to sort of have that. We're the reigning gray cup champion when things are clicking they have the confidence that no one can beat them. Yeah, there's no question. I think they're the best team in the league, and they're going to come to Winnipeg this month, and that's going to make for a really interesting game. Of course, uh, the Bombers will be in that situation looking to measure up to someone else for the first time in several years. So that's going to be something, uh, I think, very interesting to watch for. And when you talk about the Bombers being beatable, well, they've also lost two games in overtime this year. And the interesting thing is they lost them to quarterbacks named Dustin Crum and Jake Delagala. And if you told anyone <laughs> at the beginning of the season that the Bombers would lose games to guys with, with two quarterbacks named Jake Delagala and Dustin Crum, not a single person would have believed you. And yeah. that is something that, again, shows me that there's, I'm not even going to say a crack in the ar- armor, but there's an opening there for other teams to get in and, and try to, you know, take this team down as the top team in the West. Um, right now, they are not the top team in the league. They're going to have to prove something severely against the Argos to show that they have a chance to, you know, even possibly get back to the Grey Cup and beat them. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it really is interesting. And I've, uh, somebody asked me what the biggest surprise of the season was to me. Uh, and, and I actually said to me it was the Argos because I, I didn't think that they were a fluke that they won the Grey Cup. They played well. They were a good team. I thought Winnipeg was the better team going in. But they won it. And then I just did not expect them to come out and be this good. I didn't expect Chad Kelly to be this good. I didn't expect their defense to be this good. I didn't expect them to have, you know, this incredible running game with Willette and Harris. I mean, I guess I should have expected that, but I didn't know it was going to be this good. They are dominant. And their record against the West is going to be what decides to me how dominant they are. They've already beaten BC. Um, they got to take on Winnipeg. They only play them once, though. So, you know, that record to me might be a little skewed because we know that Hamilton and Toronto are not very, or Hamilton and Ottawa are not very strong teams. But right now they look like something pretty special. And well, locking up Chad Kelly for a while is a pretty smart move. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the Chad Kelly piece there is the one that, I mean, if I go back to any anything I was saying before the season, I was like, look, I respect the Argos. I just, I can't trust Chad Kelly yet. He hasn't shown me on a week-to-week basis he could do it. And it's always about more than the quarterback. I mean, that defensive line is amazing. What Corey Mace has the whole whole, whole defense doing is great. They have so many receivers who just almost seem like interchangeable. Uh, one big game after another from different guys. But Chad Kelly was the part that I had to question. And at this point, I mean, I'm not saying, look, at the end of the year, we'll look at it. And I, I haven't done a ton of thought here. And I don't always love that the quarterback of the best team just sort of automatically gets MOP, it seems. Mm-hmm. But like... Like I for a while, and to be honest, even going into this week, um, because I thought Winnipeg was starting to show that they were that able to steamroll teams, even if they got off to a slow start, they were beginning to really scare me. But just with the way you know them losing, and it's the Argos are are two games up on them. I I have a hard time. I don't have sort of the interception numbers in front of me or anything, but I, I think Chad Kelly is my is my labor is my MOP at this point. Yeah, I mean it's been kind of close. I thought between him and Zach Caleros and. The thing is, Zach Caleros has set such a high bar for himself the last couple of seasons. The fact that he's thrown 
as many pick sixes as he has this year. I think it's four. Uh, and interceptions in general. And, you know, they showed it. I, I went, came home from Regina and watched the game, uh, the Labor Day Classic on TV. And there was a, you know, a stat graphic that came up late in the first half and it said one for five for two yards with an interception. And I remember that one that he completed was a, you know, shovel pass forward to Nick Dembski. That, you know, those numbers did not look like a MOP in any way. And I would have to say that for sure his stock has dropped a little bit. You can't have pick sixes like that. You can't have, you know, interceptions every game uh, and, and really hold on to that kind of lofty status. I just don't know right now if there's anyone else in the West Division that I would be taking. There's not. And while there's one. You know, I mean, Brady Oliver is having a pretty great season. Okay, don't mind like that. that. It almost is going to come down to that for me. If there's anyone on the Bombers that you're going to put above them, right? And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that you would. I, I really don't. But that, Brady Oliver is having a very good dominant season. I'm not sure I want to give that uh, my vote to a running back. I'm just being honest. I think Nick Dempsey's having an outstanding season for the Bombers as well. Uh, you know, Vernon Adams is playing well. Trey Ford's playing fantastic, but he's not going to have enough of a body of work to get there. But, you know, yeah. uh, Matthew Betts in BC on the defensive side is playing so well. There's going to be down the stretch here over the next seven, how many games are left for six or seven for most teams. There's going to be a real battle, I think, for that award. And somebody's going to have to rise to the top. Yeah, and I think that I'm a little bit just because the Lions had lost three or four. I'm a little bit lower on on sort of the Vernon case than I might have been a month ago. Um, I don't mind the Oliveira. I mean, like, look, there are years where the running back's the best player in the game. And, like, obviously, Trey Ford is not a real candidate. And I will say, having watched him pretty closely, like, I am so excited for what the future holds for that guy. There's there's still some some stuff through the air that I think needs work. He's just so fast that pretty he's trying to defend against yeah, he's uh, oh the stamps like there were a couple of plays where you were just like the stamps don't know what to do here. He, he's just so quick and would run back, 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 wake for his angle and then just kind of take off. He's I mean he's amazing to watch and I, I again I just think that like his development will be will be his arm and I, I think he will get there and get better. But I don't think it's quite there yet where I'd I'd sort of have him locked in as sort of a top five or six quarterback. But I don't think that's the expectation. Anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean the MLP thing is it's always sort of interesting. And with Zach, you're right. Like it could this could be a little bit of a like Nikola Jokic thing in the NBA where people get bored of him. So you look mm -hmm. for the next. You, you look yeah, for the next. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it might depend somewhat on, on those of us who vote in Winnipeg. It's really hard to say. Yeah. I still think that if you take the body of work for the first 12 games, you, you throw out, you know, you can't discount those. Uh, pick sixes and the more interceptions lately, but you're looking at the whole body of work. He's still been pretty great, and his numbers are really great. His his passing efficiency has been really great. His TD to interception ratio is not as good as it has been, but it's still good. You know, and even some of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game were major, and, and I'm talking NFL, <laughs> were major <laughs> interception throwers, right? I mean, it's just when you sling it, you throw them. It's just the truth. But um, he's been so good at taking care of the ball and so good at making smart decisions, so accurate with his throws. That does not seem to be the case this year. He's made some 
poor choices when throwing the ball. Yeah, and I mean, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fascinated in the back half because I know like the Bombers and Argos can both clinch a playoff spot this weekend. I believe that's what yeah, the CFO they can. Uh, email said. But you know, when I was covering particularly sort of 2018, where the Stamps had lost the 2016 Great Cup, lost the 2017 Great Cup, and throughout the entire season, like there was a loss here and there, and you had some fans who freaked out, but it was generally understood that the goal of the season was as long as you secure home a home game in the West Final. Like, almost, not that nothing mattered, but everything was about just trying to get over that hump and get that gray cup. And I feel like it's got to be a little bit of that. Obviously, it's the process every day, putting in the work. But the bomber season is going to be defined at this point by whether they win the gray cup or not, right? Oh, of course. I mean, how else yeah. could it be defined when you're, you know, not for one thing, they've been in the cup three years in a row. So anything less than being in the cup is going to be a major disappointment. And they're kind of on a let's run it back and, and, you know, kind of mission here, get back to it and win it this time. So, uh, you know, if they don't win, it'll be a disappointment. There's just no question about it. And, and then of course, the thing is they've got the great cup in 2025. That's still a couple of years away. They want to keep the core of this team together, despite being older, as long as they possibly can and try to still be good then. Well, if they're not good enough this year, it's going to be interesting to see, what do they have to do to make sure that they do maintain their top status to get to the Great Cup in 2025 and have a chance to play in it? It's going to be, it makes for some really interesting possibilities down the road here. But I, I'm not writing the Blue Bombers off by any means. I think they're still an excellent team. They still have a fantastic coach. They have the most veteran quarterback. They have a great offensive line and defensive line. Um, I think where they've really been hurt in the last five or six games is not having Janarian Grant, they have been terrible. I have no better way to say it in the return game. And the other teams have been better. And Saskatchewan had 237 return yards, all from Mario Alford. The Bombers had 84 in that last game. Who do you think had the better field position? And that was a big difference in that game. 100%. Um, this is not a Bomber-specific question. I don't want to take up too much of your time. You've already given us half an hour, which is amazing. Always a if pleasure, you... Danny. Come on. Um, no, it's awesome. I honestly, um, I had, I was told at one point by a close friend that he was like, you're having like, just because I'm friends with you, Jeff and bombing, like probably better friends with you guys than almost anyone else sort of in the media group in the league. So I like had you guys on early and someone was like, Danny, like you have to have someone from another market. It's too much Winnipeg talk. So <laughs> we waited to have you back, but, um, and it was no knock on what any of you said individually, but if you are like Winnipeg or whoever else, like which of Sask and the lions are you more worried about in the playoffs? Wow. In a one game playoff matchup, man, I would sure rather answer that question on Monday, but <laughs> I mean, fair. honestly, I think the lions are the better team. Yeah. I really do. I think they've got the better defense. I think they've got, you know, Pretty great offense. The Dalla thing is kind of what's throwing it all for a loop because I certainly would have said no chance for Saskatchewan, but this guy seems to be turning them around somewhat. Um, and it's not entirely him. He's just not making mistakes that are costing them. Yeah. So they looked so much better last week. And, and they do have that. Like, they did it with really solid offense that took care of the football. They did get a turnover on defense and held the Bombers in key situations, and they had a vastly superior special teams game, both from Brett Lothar, the uh, field goal kicker, and their punter, who had a fantastic game, Adam Korsak. 
and of course Mary Alford. Those things you put them all together make them a pretty dangerous team. I just I don't know. My gut says they're not going to be anywhere near that good this weekend. So I, I I have a hard time saying that I would give them the jump over BC right now. So I'm sticking with BC. But I think Saskatchewan has a chance to make it interesting. Yep. I just and this is no again. I keep introducing these caveats, but this is no knock on Dolagala. I just genuinely believe like most quarterbacks five or six games into their career, teams have enough tape that they make adjustments to that quarterback. And then it's up to the quarterback to adjust their game. Um, so it's often like, I don't trust young quarterbacks. What I see until you're in sort of start eight to 10. Um, and I, I certainly think that there's a little bit of, that's what happened with Jake Mayer. Although I think Jake Mayer has been much better in recent weeks and isn't getting kind of like this for Jake Mayer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, started well, great. A little bit of a fall. Little yeah. run this year and now he seems to have picked it up exactly and the stamps are not a perfect team like that's just the reality and uh you know i had derek dennis on and he just talked about a little bit how there he thinks that you let that many veterans go and then a couple injuries can really throw your whole team off and i think jake felt the pressure a little bit but i i this is sometimes why you stick with the young quarterbacks because he's thrown for over 300 the last two weeks and has looked a lot better so i think he leads um, the league in passing yards doesn't he well, it's a little bit deceiving because I think the Stamps have played the most games. Sure. Like, but like, yes, he is currently leading it, and that's not that's not nothing. You can cut down on the interceptions there. Like, you can't complain about the way he's played for the last couple of weeks for sure. So, but I mean, so much they need to beat Edmonton this weekend. Like, it's just they need to get to five wins, um, quite badly. And then they do have a head to head with Sask later on. Like, there's 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 Give a path there. A chance, yeah. There's a path there, but I did like the Stamps have a very difficult road ahead so um buddy i'm gonna let you go thank you so much for joining me ted wyman post media winnipeg sun um yeah we all right man well it's great i love your show great to be on it great to be in the midst of this week that is between labor day and the and the and the games after the rematches and i think it's going to be just from some of the things we talked about right here danny it sure seems like it's going to be an exciting stretch run for the cfl and of course the nfl starting this week too so if you're a football fan, there is no better time. No, it really. I mean, to be honest, I feel like if you're a sports fan right now, like I watched a Jays game last night, then I watched Canada basketball this morning. There's so much football, like everything's coming back. This is the exciting time. So this, is, this yeah. is your dream time. I know. Can't believe we're in the semifinals. I'm trying to not talk. Like I could just do a basketball podcast right now. But, <laughs> uh, anyways, thanks, Dad. Cheers. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mike's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the Beltline. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Mugs. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Mugs Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Mugs Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mugs Pub. They're the best. All right. There we go. Thank you to Ted for stopping by. Really do. Really do love that guy. One of, one of the best people in and around Canadian football. It was awesome to get his perspective on sort of everything that's happening in Winnipeg. Uh, I should have addressed this probably in the intro, but just kind of checked after Ted went on. And this Duke Williams thing is confusing, eh? Uh, so Duke Williams, 
star receiver of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, basically says, thanks, Hamilton, I'm out. So we spend the morning thinking that I guess he's been cut or is, is leaving or, or, or something going on there. That post has now been deleted. Orlando Steinauer basically said he had a conversation with Duke. Duke wasn't going to play this weekend. But as for his status going forward, we will it will be addressed another time. Very confusing. It's <laughs> not what you expect. It always feels like there's something with Duke. You never get through a year without there being something where we're wondering one thing or another. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't have much to say about that. I just it's not every day that you see a receiver of his pedigree sort of tweet that he's leaving a team. And then you know, I was wondering if we were gonna be recording here and then by the time it drops tomorrow morning, we were gonna have a completely different perspective. So I didn't want to go too too in depth on it. And as it turned out, that was smart because apparently he is still with the Ty Cats, just not playing this weekend. So good on Steve Milton from the Hamilton Spectator for asking the question, getting the answer. I don't know. It's all it's all a little bit confusing. But yeah, guys, as I said in the intro, as Ted said, don't just want to say the same thing over and over again. Really fun week of games. We had a great Labor Day weekend. Another great weekend going on. Then a bye week for the Stamps. So I need a little bit of rest. So that'll be great. Got these new bucket hats. I'm making a big deal about the bucket hats, but I should also note somewhere here, they just sent me normal CFL hats. Shouldn't be completely pretending they don't exist. We got a new football to go with our older football. Just a great time for CFL and life for the 55. Um, anyways, that's going to be it. Hope you'll check us out next weekend. Not next weekend, next Monday. Not entirely sure what the plan is, but we'll be talking about, again, this great slate of games and you know inevitably how the entire complexion of the league has changed because that seems to happen every week. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks to Fraser and Fig. Thanks to Mugs Pub. You guys are awesome. Please like and subscribe. Have a good one, guys.